last Friday, I mentioned in the episode, the short mini episode, which took the place of the usual guest episodes that I'm experimenting with or considering, I should say, a different release schedule and timing of the podcast. And it's a hard decision to make. I have to feel into it a little bit more. My therapist would probably encourage me to, to listen to the wise mind um, and and really see what I want deep down inside, stripping away the external. And that is going to tie into the theme for today. I'm also very inspired by the conversation I had with some members of the Beyond Measure community, where I record episodes like this live, and we have pre-recording, pre-podcast conversations. Our, our conversation today was centered around freedom, because at the time of that recording, 4th of July was around the corner, and for the residents of the United States, many of us are thinking about 4th of July plans, but also what 4th of July means, this a day of supposed independence and freedom. And um, also talking with people who live outside the U.S. and what do those words and dates mean for them, if anything. And it brings up a lot of ideas of, of how we approach life, why we approach life, what impacts us, and how do we make decisions? How do we feel into what works for us? How do we do things that might be outside the norm, the majority, when there might be a lot of societal pressure. These are ideas I think about often. And I have been giving thought to it in, in some different lights recently, um, mostly because I have been giving some presentations and speaking appearances. I, I really love public speaking. And when I have an opportunity, I, I jump into it. This past week, I gave a presentation, um, which I can link to. I, I don't think it's live as, as of right now. So whenever it is available as a recording, I will share it in the description. And this was part of a, a group based around Web3, which is the evolving web technology This centered around cryptocurrency, blockchain, metaverse, um, maybe even artificial intelligence might fall into the web three category versus right now we're technically in web two phase. It's just a different phase of the internet. And I have been lightly involved in web three. And I met this wonderful person named Joseph Jaffe, who has started a essentially a collective, a community of people in web three and invited some of us to speak. And I realized that what I wanted to contribute to this speaker series was centered around diversity, equity, and inclusion. I have a big passion for justice, social justice, fairness. These are, are core values of mine. And that's led me to become very interested in doing work. DEI work would is something I even exploring professionally. I don't know. Um, if that will pan out, but I have been trying to educate myself more and more. You'll hear episodes upcoming on the show about that. Uh, I've done many in the past. There's a lot to learn, especially for someone like myself who has a lot of privilege. And so I spent a lot of time reflecting on my privilege. And um, certainly as a woman, you know, in a patriarchal society, I don't have the most amount of privilege, but I, I do have a lot as a white woman and uh, different elements of my background. Um, so it was a, a interesting thing 
humbling in some ways, uh, uncomfortable to really dig into what does it look like to create more inclusion? I found this phenomenal book. I think I might've referenced it at least once on the show so far called Inclusion on Purpose. And I also found another book called Work Better Together, which is not necessarily about inclusion, but it's about creating stronger relationships to maximize well-being. And I, I found some interesting elements of, of reframing how we do things, how we do things as individuals, but also how we do things together. So I'll probably bring in elements of, of both of those books into today's talk, but also some inspiration through this discussion in the Beyond Measure community about what it means to be free. One thing that came up was the idea of being alone <laughs> and how maybe we have too many situations in which we're with others, we're influenced by other people. We might feel societal pressure. We might feel judgment when we're with others. It can feel stressful to be together. Relationships are hard. Communication is hard. Social dynamics can be really challenging. And sometimes we yearn to be alone, but that might in, in itself be hard. The theme of nature came up in the Beyond Measure conversation, nature being part of freedom. And something one of the participants said reminded me of something I was talking about with my therapist yesterday, which is how nature can feel very appealing, but also scary. And that ties into freedom in the sense that nature might not feel accessible to everybody. I've been thinking about this a ton over the years of how I, as a woman, have been kind of, hmm, I don't even know how to put this. There's been a lot of questioning about my experiences going out into nature alone. And I have been spending a lot of time hiking, for example. And sometimes when I go on hikes that are not as popular in the Southern California region, or there's not as many people there, I've received a response that's like a signal, like you might not be safe here just because you're a woman. And that's really interesting. And then I imagine other people, especially people of color, may not feel safe in spaces because of so much racism. Um, people that might have um, different gender identities, there are questions of safety there. There are threats to safety for people who um, fall outside of you know, certain religious beliefs or um, the majority, basically anyone with outside the majority, whatever that means, um, might not feel safe in nature. And if nature is part of freedom, but it's not accessible to everyone, to me, that that's really upsetting. And I wish that there could be a change there. I, I would like to know, I would like to learn more about how to make something like nature more accessible. And, um, this has come up a little bit on, on the show. I think the reason being it feels so important is because it's part of our humanity. You know, we, 
we are built to spend time in nature. That's part of our history as human beings, is our relationships with nature. We might have different definitions of nature. My therapist positions nature's importance as that it's able to hold space for our tough emotions. In fact, yesterday I had a, a challenging day for myself, a relatively challenging day. Um, as many of you know, I have a sleep disorder that I'm trying to get to the bottom of. And I had a really intense sleep episode for me that has meant I'll wake up from my dreams and start to act, act them out. Or I am having such a terrifying dream that I wake up from it and my uh, fight or flight, my automatic, auto, is it automatic or atomic? I don't even know. Automatic nervous system? My nervous system, essentially. <laughs> Not atomic nervous system. Um, my nervous system is reacting to what happened in the dream. And a two nights ago, I leapt out of bed running away from something in my dream. I think it was a wolf. I'm not sure. And as through the act of running away, I injured myself relatively bad. Um, and so woke up at 4.30 in the morning with this injury. And the injury became the next threat. And I brought this to therapy and my therapist asked me, like, do I have a fear of nature? Is that what was happening? And there was a couple layers to this that was kind of interesting. Um, one, the fact that I'm pretty sure I was in my dream. I was running away from a wolf. So we were talking about what does that symbolize from me? And then um, my injury, I started to worry about what would have happened if I had been injured while out in nature, that was triggering for, for me too. And, and my therapist was reminding me that our bodies naturally know what to do and how to recover, how to heal. And he helped me work through some of this anxiety and panic I was feeling about being unprepared in nature. And this all kind of ties into this theme of, of nature feeling scary for very different reasons. And I didn't recognize until that therapy session, which was brought on by something relatively unrelated, right? My sleep episode, getting injured, and then somehow it led me to reflecting on why nature might be scary for some of us. One thing that came up for me was that I don't think at the core I find nature scary. I'm very drawn to it. But I have been influenced by, or I think is the best way to put it, I've, I've internalized a lot of other people's fears around nature to the point of believing them myself. And so nature in itself might not be that scary. It probably isn't. The more I think about it, I'm like, what is really that scary about nature? Aside from, of course, certain animals, like a bear uh, is scary, you know. However, what I've learned through education, um, I've been taking a lot of classes on, on outdoor safety. I'm learning that most animals, their aim is not to harm us. 
it's that they might feel threatened by us. So if we do our best not to threaten animals, wildlife in general, it will probably leave us alone. Even rattlesnakes. There's, there's, I've, I've grown to feel fearful of rattlesnakes recently because there, there's so much talk online and on the trails that I go on about being aware of rattlesnakes. And in one of the classes I took recently, a very experienced hiker who was teaching the class said that she doesn't know anyone in her, I think like 15, 20 years of outdoor experience that's been bitten by a rattlesnake. Kind of reminds me of growing up, I was very afraid of sharks, but shark attacks were not that common. It's just, we had this cultural idea around sharks being so dangerous and that every time you'd step into the water, you were at risk of being injured by a shark. <laughs> and I feel like every time I go in the trail, I'm at risk for being injured by a rattlesnake. And, and I'm still learning, so this might not be the absolute answer, but what I've learned recently is that if I am mindful that I am in the rattlesnake's territory, and if I'm mindful not to get too close to one, I'm a very low risk of being harmed. And so I think that we have these misconceptions around nature safety, but what tends to be more threatening is, is our humanity. <laughs> We're probably at greater risk of another human being harming us. And that goes back to this idea of freedom and accessibility is I don't, I imagine that somebody who is marginalized does not fall into the dominating uh, powers in, in certain societies. I imagine that they're more afraid of other human beings harming them. And that is very heartbreaking to me. So I still have a long way to go about learning that, but I've been giving that great consideration. As mentioned, I, I've been reading some really powerful books lately, um, two of them being Inclusion on Purpose, which subtitle is An Intersectional Approach to Creating a Culture of Belonging at Work, and Work Better Together, How to Cultivate Strong Relationships to Maximize Well-Being and Boost Bottom Lines. Both of them are centered around work because I'm working on presenting um, on or have presented recently on, on kind of these group dynamics. And I, I think the culture at work also says a lot about freedom, especially if you're called to nature, but you feel like you can't spend time in nature because of so much work. This came up in the conversation on Beyond Measure today, which is the desire to spend more time in nature, but the barrier being that you can't or can't spend as much time there because of work because you need to spend more time at your computer, at your desk or in a workspace. And that's something that I have been reflecting on. It ties back into this idea of shifting the podcast around. As I mentioned on that episode last Friday, it's hard decision for me to step back and slow down because there's a lot of pressure to work all the time. There's pressure to be constantly productive and efficient. And for me, 
that feels like the opposite of freedom. Nature, I equate with slowing down. Nature feels peaceful. But even nature, I can be in a place of rushing around, of productivity and efficiency. In fact, I often am when I do my travel, when I go on my hikes, I have to step out of the idea of completing the hike as quickly as possible and getting back to work or getting something over with. I just want to finish it. I'm not there to actually be present and enjoy it. I'm trying to experience something, but by trying so hard to experience it, I'm not really experiencing it. It's more of like a surface level thing. It doesn't have the depth and richness that nature can really provide. And that mentality is coming into play in my work too, where I don't want to feel like my whole life is centered around more, more, more and go, go, go. But that is a huge part of our society. So is the societal pressure and is the society, the systematic elements of our society, like, is that constraining us so much that very few of us feel free, even those of us who are privileged, do we actually feel free? And if we don't feel free, how can we extend freedom onto others? And that's why these books that I'm reading, I think are so important because it takes a mental shift to step out of these systems. But I think there's also a lot of privilege in stepping away altogether. I mean, Inclusion on Purpose, I believe, has a line about it's not always, not everybody has the option to not work. Not everybody has the option to take a break. Some people are at higher risk of being fired, let go, demoted, simply because of their identity. And I don't know how much of that I've experienced, if any, maybe from my gender, maybe from age. There's ageism, there's sexism, there's, of course, racism, and on and on, all these isms, all of these judgments, all of these systems put into place that have made many of us fearful that if we don't conform to the structure, then we are at risk of losing our job we are risk of not making enough money to survive. And so even on these quote holidays, like the 4th of July, Independence Day, et cetera, how many people actually feel free? Is it really a day off or is it a day where you just work a little less or maybe you continue working because you feel like you're constantly having to catch up? That mentality came up in work better together. So I wanted to pull it up because it was is hitting home. One of the first things I highlighted in this book is our best work is fueled by positive emotions like empathy, creativity, and shared purpose. Yet we measure our worth exclusively in quantitative terms. That is part of the reason, not this direct quote, but that mindset that reality in some ways is is a huge motivating fact for running beyond measures because i don't want to measure my worth or other people's worth in quantitative terms i want more empathy creativity and shared purpose 
that is what Beyond Measure is built around. That's what this might get uncomfortable is built around. But we do live in a society or at least our time period of being conditioned to measure our worth in quantitative terms. And yet that's taking away from our well-being. There's a huge conflict there. This idea of the productivity. We have all these trade-offs. We want a sense of meaning that our lives matter. But we also are faced with false senses of connection. Social media, this is why I stepped away for in a large part, not entirely, but barely use social media because I do not want a false sense of connection with myself or others. I want a true sense of connection. This is, again, what Beyond Measure is rooted in as a community. This is what I strive for with this podcast. But it's hard. It's incredibly hard because many of us are used to these superficial experiences with one another. We don't have a lot of trust in one another, so it's hard to even come together in the first place. We're kind of used to not feeling valued or cared for. We're probably used to not feeling free. And that freedom is, I feel, is in integral, no, see, stumbling again. It's a integral, is that the word I'm looking for? Part of being human, being in touch with our human nature and nature in general. And yet many of us feel limited or are limited by it based on the way these systems are set up. We have a focus on optimizing everything. And maybe all of this feels easier to go with than against. Maybe it feels safer because as the, the book says, again, this is the Work Better Together book I'm referencing right now, showing your human self can be scary. Highlighting it, emphasizing it, acknowledging it. Asking for things like accommodations, speaking up when something doesn't work for us. There is a, a line in that book that says, showing our vulnerabilities or disclosing what feels like too much makes us worry that we will be seen as weak, less competent, or exposed. We have to move past that worry because showing our vulnerabilities is one of the keys to having an authentic human relationship and building trust. We have to become more open-minded to others' experience and point of view. But it's also important to remember that that's easier said than done. And that really depends on who's doing it. Because not every person, depending on their identity, is going to truly feel comfortable or safe enough to be vulnerable. So it's kind of this catch-22. We want to be free. We want to feel safe. Is the structure set up for us to have that freedom and safety? Or are we just trying to survive? And I feel like that's really interesting too. The fact that our survival depends on doing things that aren't rooted in nature or humanity. 
we've moved into such a digitized time too that we're almost being conditioned to work like machines. This goes back to, I think, is it 1911? Yes. This is an interesting piece of, of history for reflection. In 1911, an engineer named Frederick Winslow Taylor published The Principles of Scientific Management. It was the first modern study of work. And it was all about how any work can be measured and made more efficient. I think this is referred to as Taylorism. And that has come up a number of times. It also came up in the book Saving Time that I read recently. Phenomenal reference point for what we do with our time. And it's amazing to me that for over a hundred years, we have been focused on efficiency. That's how we make money. And I think there's this cultural fear that if we're not efficient enough, then our jobs are at risk. We won't be employed in the first place or we will be fired. We'll be demoted. We'll never get the raises we want. Like there's all of this fear because this tradition of measuring people to determine their worth and making sure that they're efficient as possible. And yet, as this book points out, many people can't work that hard because chronic overwork does not result in greater output. In fact, it leads to productivity decline. So in the long run, stress-related health problems such as depression, diabetes, heart disease, sleep disorders have a huge impact on our productivity. Certainly, I've experienced that. I've talked about when I'm depressed, I can't work. I don't feel productive whatsoever. And I think I've internalized these ideas, like maybe they root back to Taylorism, um, that I feel like I'm depressed and I can't work and be as productive. And if I'm not working and productive, then where's my value? I mean, that question is probably at the root of why it feels hard to cut back on how often I podcast. Why is it hard for me to make a simple decision like doing less podcasting? Probably because we have a societal structure set up to measure worth. And maybe I'm afraid that I'm not as worthy or I'll be less worthy if I do less. But these studies are saying that if I don't take care of my well-being, then I'm going to feel more depressed. I'm going to feel more stressed. Maybe my sleep disorder, it says right here that these studies are finding out sleep disorders have a huge impact on productivity. So it's almost like a chicken or the egg thing. I can try to spend more time figuring out my sleep disorder, but am I only doing that to become more productive? And then examining this deeper thing is, what if I'm not productive? Am I truly not worthy? I don't believe so. Because as I said, I don't align with this idea that we measure our worth based on productivity, efficiency, output, quantitative terms. That is not my belief system. But if it's many other people's belief systems, how do we operate in that world of conflicting beliefs? It's a bigger question here. We can maybe find internal freedom for ourselves, but does that line up with the external systems? 
Maybe we can feel internally free, but not externally free. And I think we seek both. I think as human beings, we want to be part of the community. We want to be part of the pact. We want to align and connect and have depth. But if what if who we are and what we want is at conflict with others? Or what if it just seems that way? That is hard. This is why I think something as simple as the podcast frequency question is hard because I'm looking to others to give me the answers and afraid that their answers might not, not line up with mine. And that's scary. That feels unsafe. So the simplest things can feel really hard because of all these dynamics. And I don't have the answer. <laughs> this is why I read so much. I'm trying to figure out for myself. I'm also very interested in figuring out for others because I don't want to be the only one who has the, has a, I don't know if answer is the right word, has a, I don't want to be the only one with freedom, even if it's internal freedom, because I want that connection and community so badly. So I'm trying to figure out like where, where are other people blocked? What are the barriers that they face? What are the obstacles? Is there something I can do to contribute and opening doors and making places feel safer and offering more freedom? I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope so. That feels like where my purpose lies in life. Not just my self-interest, but others, because it's a holistic viewpoint that, yes, we might need to put the oxygen mask on first, as many people say, in order to help others. So, But if I'm going to put on an oxygen mask, it's not just for myself. It is in order to better help others. And I think on, you know, holidays that are supposedly about freedom, independence, we have to really examine what that means and who doesn't have those things. Because I don't want to celebrate a holiday if others aren't able to celebrate alongside me. Maybe that's, maybe that won't allow me to really celebrate. I mean, that's the other question too, is how much... How much do we, we need to rest too. I guess that's part of it is maybe celebrating. I mean, celebrating ourselves and resting so that we have the energy to take care of others. And I think that's more and more what I look forward to on, on any holiday, any federal holiday. It's okay. I can rest and I, I, I'm given cultural permission to do less. And in those moments when I'm doing less, that's where I feel more connected to myself. That's where I get more answers. The rest is the freedom, I suppose. And I want that rest for everybody. But 
actually the book Saving Time talks about how resting is in itself a, what's the terminology, a um, resistance. There is movements of people resting and not working and taking pictures themselves laying down. I think it might've been, it was in an Asian country. I don't know if it was China. I think it might've been, there was a whole movement around that. Um, there's also the, the nap ministry, which is brought up in saving time by Jenny O'Dell and a wonderful interview with the founder of the nap ministry, which is, uh, mostly encouraging black people, maybe other people of color as well to prioritize rest and how so much of their history is rooted in labor. And by resting more, it is sending a message that our lives are not meant to be constant work. So it actually kind of takes inner work to rest. It takes a bit, uh, the courage and confidence or something within us in order to rest. And that's, That's a bit sad to think about because it's in our human nature. We need rest and to live in a time where we're encouraged not to rest. It's quite disturbing. So I'm committed to reflecting on this for both of us, for all of us, to examine it, to look at the historical context to look at the people who are making a difference to think, consider what it means to be in nature, what it means to be free for myself, but also for others. And it's a lot of work to examine these things, especially given an over a hundred year history, just within our viewpoints on work alone. And then all the history of the country, like the United States, where we celebrate Independence Day, uh, what was going on in the country when it was this holiday was established. And as several Beyond Measure members pointed out in our pre-recording chat, when when these holidays were established not everybody was free and i'm of the belief system that we don't even have full freedom in in this country and we're still focused on that belief like oh we're free but i don't think that that's fully true and it's a heavy thing to take in but it's something that i'm spending a lot of time reflecting on today. So thank you for listening. Thanks for going on this uncomfortable journey of reflection on the state of things. If you have the option to rest today, I wish you some rest, even if it's five minutes of closing your eyes and breathing. Maybe it's some extra sleep. Maybe it's a little less work. 
or maybe it's pausing to ponder. Maybe that is your rest. And if you want to have these deeper discussions in real time with me, I would love to have you part of Beyond Measure. I would love to see you in your full worthiness. would love to see you without any quantification of what other numerical metrics make up who you are. Love to see beyond that and really hear from you and hear about your experiences and what you would like to teach me, share with me, share with others, or just have us hold space for, we don't have to do any learning. We can, we can just be together in the deeper, richer, connected way that I'm yearning for. So if you're yearning for that too, I'd love to have you part of the Beyond Measure community. Thank you for those of you who are already part of Beyond Measure. I'm very grateful for your contributions, how you show up, learning about you is a true privilege for me. And with that said, I will continue to figure out the podcast schedule. I'll keep you posted or you'll just see whenever the next episode comes out. <laughs> That's what I'm going to be reflecting on in, in my rest period um, over the next few days and hopefully get some answers and clarity on that that I can pass on to you when I'm ready. Until then, wishing you all the very best. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.